With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee, and today my guest is Eric Smith, literary agent with PS Literary, author of The Geek's Guide to Dating. He has also published an anthology titled Welcome Home. His latest young adult book, The Girl in the Grove, is available for purchase now. His next novel, Reclaim the Sun, will be published by Inkyard Press and Harlequin Tween Teen in 2020. Eric also teaches composition and mentors MFA students at the Arcadia University from afar. Eric, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that was a good Thank intro. Thank you for being here. Um, so what's a typical day, work day for you like as a as a literary agent? Oh, goodness. Uh, I think every agent is going to say uh, email. Um, so I tend to hop onto my agency email, uh, get caught up on queries as, as much as I can, um, check in with my authors if they have anything outstanding, uh, sift through submissions. Uh, so, you know, a lot of that. I'm sort of glued to, compute, to the computer, uh, making sure everything is sort of uh, on track and I'm not falling behind on anything. Uh, and then I like to read a whole bunch, um, whether it's uh, books that I've requested from authors who are pitching me or my current clients. Um, again, lots of, uh, <laughs> we, we send lots of those emails that are like, hey, just circling back. Hey, just checking in. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of those uh, things that Gmail likes to autofill for us, which is lovely. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of email, lots of reading, um, and every now and again, a little bit of writing to, uh, send out new pitches. And, you know, I think a lot of people, I've, I've seen a lot of writers on Twitter and they send out their queries and people are always asking, you know, when should we check in or how long should we expect? How many queries do you typically get in a day via email? Oh boy. Um, I've been closed for a little while. Um, but usually when, when I'm open to pitches, it's usually not that much, you know, maybe like 10 or 12 directed at me. Um, and then like way more directed at the whole agency, you know, the agency as a whole mm-hmm. probably gets, you know, several dozen uh, a day. For sure. So, you know, what sort of makes when you get these queries, what sort of makes them stand out? Like which ones really grab your attention? Oh man. Um, well, for me, a, a good hook is what's always going to grab my attention. Um, obviously, you know, making sure it's the kind of book I would read in the first place. You know, it's a, it's a genre I like. It's in a category that I like. Um, but I can always be swayed when someone, you know, dishes out, like, really great comp titles, uh, introduces a really awesome premise, uh, like, right away in that first sentence. You know, like, hey, my book is this movie meets this video game, uh, you know, is... And is doing something, you know, wildly different. Um, like, for example, I have this book that just came out called Here and Now and Then by this author, Mike Chen. Uh, and when he pitched it to me, he said it was 
uh, The Time Traveler's Wife, as written by Nick Hornby. <laughs> I needed to have that book, you know, because, like, mm-hmm. I love that author and the idea of, like, a time travel novel that has, like, that sort of emotional resonance of The Time Traveler's Wife written in, like, a sort of quirky way that Nick Hornby tends to write. Like, that was that was it for me. <laughs> And really, sometimes it's just all it takes is that sort of catchy, you know, comp title. And when it comes to comp titles, I know a lot of people like to use very popular references <laughs> that agents mm-hmm. usually tell you to sway away from. So I think it's interesting that you bring up uh, people using video games and movies so that it's, it's not just books, but it's a sort of culmination of pop culture and books and movies together. Oh, so yeah. that's actually that would be really helpful for authors that are listening and, and trying to put together a query. Cause I know that can be really intimidating to come up with a comp title that also isn't, you know, a new New York times bestseller <laughs> and one that mm-hmm. everybody's using. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fine to use pop culture references. Um, as long as you have like a somewhat modern book thrown in the mix. Um, for me, comp titles aren't so much telling me that the author, um, knows where the book exists, but tells me that the author is well-read in the category or the genre that they're writing in. Um, And that means they're going to be a good writer. You know, I I think in order to uh, be good at writing YA books or, you know, be good at writing sci-fi novels, you have to read really widely in those, in those categories. Uh, So when someone pitches me a YA novel and says, you know, it's perfect for fans of Harry Potter or something, like I know that they probably don't read, YA right now, you know, because mm-hmm. Harry yeah. Potter's not a YA novel. <laughs> <laughs> so once, what sort of queries have, you know, once they've piqued your interest, how do you tend to proceed from there? Like you've read the query, you're like, I need to see this. What happens next? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, usually I just send a, you know, a nice email and I say, hey, I'd love to read the rest of this manuscript. Um, sometimes someone at the agency will send that instead of, uh, instead of me, it just depends on, you know, if I know the author or not. Um, and then I'll, yeah, I just, I always request the whole book. I don't like requesting a couple of pages cause then I get really annoyed if I like the book and I can't read it. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's really it. You know, and then I read mm-hmm. the book and, and see if it's a good fit for me. So from the time you get this query and you say, you know, I'm interested, send me the manuscript so I can take a, take a read. How long does it usually take before you reach out to the author with a yes or a no? It varies, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a busy guy. I have a baby. You know, there's lots of things going on. <laughs> um, so sometimes it could be, you know, I've definitely had books where I read them in a day and I, I called the author the next day, you know, but there are books that have, you know, taken me a few months to, to actually be able to get to, um, you know, due to, current clients keeping me busy or, uh, you know, conferences and the like. Um, so it really just depends on what's going on. But I try to get to back to people pretty quickly. How do you sort of balance life between your family life with your baby and, you know, juggling, you know, teaching and being an agent and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, wish there was a, I wish there was, like, a great answer for that one, but... Um, you know, like my book that comes out next year, I wrote that book like three years ago at this point. I haven't written anything new yet. Uh, so right now that challenge hasn't quite hit me. Um, but like every time I think about it and I'm like, oh, I need to go write something. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard dance. Um, there are a lot of other 
agent slash author hybrids <laughs> that I know out there who are a lot better at it than I am. Um, <laughs> that's hard. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's like with any job, you know, that's, that's keeping you very busy and maybe pulling you away from your writing. You just have to, you have to want it bad enough to find the time, you know? Um, and I'm sure that when I have a new idea that I really like, I, I will find the time uh, to dig into it. But right now I, I, I really don't. So, a lot of agents will make a call to an author when they're ready to offer representation and have a discussion. So do you have any advice on which questions a writer should really be asking an agent before signing an agreement with them? Yeah, it's such a good question because I, I know it can, be, it can be really tempting to, you know, get that phone call, an agent's interested, and you're just like, okay, let's go. You know, like not even really yeah. uh, asking all those sort of important questions. So, um, yeah, I would ask what their communication style is like. You know, are they the kind of agent uh, that's, you know, easily accessible, someone you can talk to on Gchat? Uh, are they just mostly all business, which is also fine? Um, I would ask if you can talk to one of their clients. Um, if they say no, that's not an agent to work with. <laughs> um, you should absolutely be able to ask a client questions, see what their experience has been like. Um, they shouldn't have a problem with that. Um, it's understandable if all their clients are giant bestsellers and maybe they don't have time, but every agent's going to have a new client that you can talk to. Um, so I would ask about that. Um, and then if they're a newer agent, um, because you shouldn't discount newer agents that don't have sales yet because everyone starts off someplace. Um, just ask them what their support network is like. You know, is their agency really supporting their, uh, sort of building their list? You know, what is, what is it like for them on the, uh, on the other side of things? How are they making these contacts and things like that? Um, those are all really simple questions uh, that they should absolutely be able to answer. And are there any sort of red flags that, writers should be aware of when they're signing any kind of agreement with an agent or even a publisher? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to agents and red flags, um, there's the, there's the uh, possibility they don't want to let you talk to anybody. <laughs> that's, that's a major one. Um, <laughs> if they're a, you know, a newer agent um, or an agent maybe you haven't heard of and you look them up and there's no sales and the agency that's backing them up has no sales, um, that's probably a bad sign. You know, make sure that they have... I don't know, some kind of track record. If it's not them themselves, it's the agency that they're working with. Um, and then, uh, yeah, check websites like Query Tracker, you know, like, or, or Writers, um, oh, shoot, what is it called? Or Writers Beware, you know, an absolute yeah. right. Like, those are great resources to see uh, what people are saying about the individual people. Um, you know, writers are honest. It's a community. Um, it shouldn't be hard to Google someone really quick uh, and find out whether or not they're reputable or not. What do you look for typically when you offer representation to an author? Do you Google them before you make that offer to represent them and see, you know, sort of see their presence online? Yeah, yeah. You know, every, I mean, every agent's going to Google and, and lurk and, and see what kind of, I guess, person you are on the Internet. Um, you know, check out the social media presence, what you're talking about. Um, but really, like, platform and Internet presence doesn't really matter to me that much when it comes to the book. Um, it's a great way to tell if there's someone I'm, I want to work with. You know, if I hop onto their Twitter account and they're just spewing a bunch of racist nonsense, well, then, okay, we're not going to work together. Yeah, uh, definitely. But, you know, if they're, they're Twitter, you know, if they only have, like, 100 followers or something and they've written a gorgeous book, I don't care because uh, I'm selling the book. I'm not really selling the author when it comes to fiction. Um, 
So it's not a, you know, it's not something that really worry or concern me at all. I think because there was such a, a great discussion around platform for a long time in a lot of interviews, and authors really got intimidated, especially nonfiction, because to build a platform, it seems like it's, you know, we've never had more accessibility via social media, mm-hmm. but it's becoming more and more difficult to to get the numbers that people used to be able to get. So I feel like a lot of people started buying followers and then that sort of negated things because you see there's no engagement there. They may have 100,000 followers, but none of them are liking their posts or interacting. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of this sort of fine line and it feels a little bit like the word platform has changed over the last couple of years and it's more so about your writing community and support with your fellow writers in in your genre and just you know, sort of that reciprocal kind of relationship that a writer can have with the people that follow them and also with people within their genre. Yeah, and, you know, and, and platform, I feel like there's this, there's this misconception when it comes to the, the concept of platform because for some reason writers tend to think it's social media when it's not just social media. Like, that's, that's great. It's cool you have, like, 10,000 followers on Twitter or whatever, but that's not necessarily the platform mm-hmm. that's not necessarily going to sell your book um it just mean it just might mean you're funny and you post really good memes or something uh for me platform is more uh you know i'm a nonfiction author i write for this website this website this website uh i speak here and there uh having publications and speaking engagements that proves that you're an expert um that shows a publisher and an agent uh, that you're the person to write the book that you're uh, potentially talking about. Um, so that's what I look for. You know, a lot of my nonfiction authors, you know, have like 2,000, 5,000 followers on social media, uh, and none of it matters because they write for a million places um, that sort of establishes them as a pro in what they're, what they're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say on the podcast that <laughs> Twitter and stuff doesn't really matter uh, for platform <laughs> as much as, Uh, those other things do. Yeah, so it's more about, you know, being able to place yourself as an expert in your category and submitting articles to literary magazines and online mags and different things like that so you can really get your name out there. And people do tend to remember you from those articles when they're posted and shared out. And I feel like that really builds a really great community doing that alone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you find there's any any sort of genre that's really difficult to sell right now? Difficult to sell right now? Um, I don't know. You know, I've, I've had some talks with other uh, agent friends, and I've seen people talking about how, like, young adult science fiction is a little trickier these days. Um, but it's also my favorite, so I kind of don't care <laughs> what people <laughs> are saying. Um, I'm going to try to fight for it. Um, Let's see, tricky to sell, tricky to sell. Um, I think that's the only one I've heard people chatting about. Um, I kind of don't worry about what the market says. I think a good book can break out uh, no matter what's, uh, what the chatter is. For sure. And so when you begin working with a client and you've gotten their manuscript, how closely do you work with them to polish it and prepare it before you pitch it to editors and publishers? Oh, very. I'm a very editorial agent. Um, I like digging into the manuscript and polishing things up. 
So, yeah, it depends on the shape the manuscript's in. You know, sometimes it needs, I don't know, a lot of polish. Uh, and then I have some authors who write perfect books, and I hate them. Uh, so they don't, really have to, uh, they don't really have to do all that much. <laughs> <laughs> so once, you know, when you put a book out on submission, do you tend to let the author know when you get a no right away or do you wait and collect a few replies and come back and tell them, you know, we've gotten four no's and this one might be interested or do you just wait until you get an offer from a publisher and go back and say, okay, this person's interested. (laughs) It really depends on the author. You know, some authors want to know how things are going, you know, every month, you know, Hey, send me an update of who's passed, uh, you know, who you know, hasn't responded, things like that. Um, some authors don't want to know until you've sold the book, you know, just don't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I am in my writing life. I don't want to know anything uh, until something has happened. Um, so it depends on the writer, you know, and, and agents, you know, when you're, when you're talking to an agent and trying to figure out what that relationship's going to be like, you know, have that conversation, you know, like I want to know uh, every month. I want a quick nudge, you know, every other week, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, depends on the writer, really. <laughs> <laughs> so if a writer has an agent, for example, and they haven't heard from them in quite some time, and maybe they're struggling because they feel like they're sort of at the bottom of the agent's list, is there a point where the agent may may contact them and say, you know, I'm just so busy, I'm so overwhelmed, and I really wanted to sell this, but I don't have time Will they do that, or typically should the author reach out to the agent and say, you know, I I really want to get this work out there, and I and I I feel like maybe it's time to move on. Are there sort of rules around, you know, when it's time to say goodbye to an agent and author relationship? Yeah, I mean, agent and author splits are are really normal. You know, it's part of the industry. You know, an author could potentially, uh, you know, get a little too big for the agent, which is fine, or an author maybe decides to write something that the agent doesn't necessarily work on or or is an expert on. Um, It's really up to you as the author to figure out if it's time to move on or not, but it's something that I feel like you shouldn't be nervous or or get worked up about because it's, it's perfectly normal, you know, it's, you might become pals with your agents and you might like all the people that you get to work with, you know, your, your agency siblings, your other writers that <laughs> also represents. Um, but at the end of the day, it is also a business and it's your career, you know? So if the relationship isn't working out for you, uh, you know, whether it's a, a personal thing or just they don't quite get the work that you're doing, um, it's okay to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no agent is ever going to see that you were previously represented and go, oh, I can't. I can't work with this person um, unless, you know, you and your agent broke up because you, I don't know, uh, punched them or something. <laughs> There's never going to be a situation where they, uh, where they pass on yeah. you because you were already agented. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of submitting, because we're kind of bouncing back and forth, but, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of discussion on Twitter after uh, an editor put out, this tweet recommending that aspiring writers take out a loan or borrow money to have their book polished prior to querying an agent. So (laughs) it caused quite a shit storm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, she was really ripped a new one. So what are, I would love to know what your thoughts are on this being an agent. Yes. There's a bunch of nonsense. I couldn't, I could not get over that person. I, I, 
I have many thoughts. Um, yeah, you should never have to hire an editor to work on your book before you start pitching it around. Um, that's what all your beta readers for. That's what your your critique partners are for. Uh, if you don't have them, and for some reason you like exist in like this, I don't know, vacuum where there's no one around you to to read your work. Um, there are ways to find people. You know. Um, Meetup.com is a great resource for finding writers groups, your local bookstore, your local library. Um, you should always have beta readers and critique partners on your work. You can't, I don't believe in writing as a solitary act. You know, you have a, a community that helps you make your book better. Um, and that's all you need. You need those beta readers to polish your, your project. Um, if, you know, you really feel like you need that, that extra, uh, I don't know, that extra something, you know, that maybe your beta readers aren't quite getting or for some reason you can't find those readers. Um, there are lots of authors and editors in publishing who do freelance work uh, that have, you know, books published with, you know, the big giant publishers, <laughs> you know, our New York Times bestsellers. And for the most part, they will charge like 300 400 $500 to read a whole book and give you notes on it. Um, not some random copy editor on the internet that's trying to charge you $7,000 to read your book and suggesting you take out a, a loan to, to do that. Um, <laughs> if you're going to hire a, a freelance editor, um, in, my, in my opinion, it should be someone that's actually done this stuff before and has like a name, you know? So when you, maybe when you pitch an agent, you say, hey, you know, this is my novel, blah, 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 uh, author, um, help me revise it, you know, that might catch my eye. Um, but at the end of the day, it also just has to be a good story. Once people are done that process, you've got the book, you've pitched it, and uh, the publishers picked it up, you know, it can be anywhere between one year or more before the book is coming out. How important is it when it comes to pre-orders? Because I think a lot of the general public don't realize how important those pre-orders are. And so what are your, t what's your take sort of on the pre-ordering process? Yeah, I mean, pre-orders are great, you know, getting that extra sell through, getting, um, you know, websites like Amazon and, and retailers like Barnes and Noble and your local indie bookseller, uh, sending, getting pre-orders through them, you know, the more books they sell, the more books they're going to reorder. <laughs> um, yes. And it also ups your chance of potentially hitting you know, different kinds of lists. You know, New York Times is obviously the, the dream one, but also uh, IndieBound lists with uh, local booksellers, um, Barnes & Noble lists, um, local bookseller lists. Uh, and that only makes you look better uh, as an author and makes your publisher uh, very happy. Um, the other thing that also drives pre-orders are, are getting those trade reviews, which is, you know, something your publisher will do. Um, but, you know, when you're getting those, like, starred reviews or just any kind of review in places like Publishers Weekly or Booklist or, or Forward or, or whatever it might be. Um, that encourages pre-orders. That encourages librarians to reserve your book and get your book in stock. Uh, so all that stuff, you know, it helps build those buzz and, and helps get you, uh, you know, ideally to a, to a second printing. And that's really, you know, that really helps authors out such a great deal because I know uh, a few of my friends have books coming out this year and there's big pushes for pre-orders and people are doing sort of their own renegade public like publicity <laughs> and acting as mm -hmm. their own publicist and trying to build this community where we all help each other and we pre-order each other's books and 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 especially not just pre-orders but also the 
advance reviews. How important are those to agents and publishers? And even in, for future book deals, how important is it when you when you see reviews for an author? Yeah, I mean, those reviews eventually generate that, that word of mouth that publishers and, you know, no one can buy that sort of thing, you know? Um, so you want those reviews so people... Uh, outside of your bubble are actually talking about your book because, you know, it's, it's great that you're sharing, you know, your book is getting published on, on Facebook and, and, you know, you're telling your friends and everything, but you need to, need to break out of that bubble because um, unless you have 10,000 people that are all going to buy the book, <laughs> it's, it's not mm-hmm. too much. Uh, so having those reviews, uh, getting the book reviewed places, uh, you know, generates word of mouth. It gets people excited uh, and it gets you out of that little, you know, that little book ecosystem that you have for yourself. So in terms of, you know, uh, say somebody has queried you and mm-hmm. you Google them and you find them on Goodreads, for example, and they've absolutely trashed every book in the genre that they're pitching you in for their book. <laughs> yeah. What do you do then? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Because, um, you know, leaving honest reviews is good. You know, people, people do it. Um, I guess it would depend, you know, if it was like, if they're giving like a, a really great critical analysis of uh, that book, um, then I don't think I would care. But you know, if it was just like one star, uh, hated the title, and it was like a Yelp review or something, <laughs> I, I might, I might think twice. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, when it comes to writers that query, you do Google them just to see what comes up and what should writers be conscious of when it comes Google search result, results oh, for yeah. their own name. Of course. Uh, What should they be conscious of? Um, I don't think anything, really. You know, like, you should be you. Be yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't don't think anything raises a red flag other than being a bad person, and I can't teach you to be a good person. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, just, uh, yeah, no, be you, because if you are a bad person, please be a bad person, so I don't have to find you or work with you. How did you find the process of pitching your work being as you're a literary agent? Is it just as nerve wracking for you to query and sort of wait for that response? Oh yeah. I hate it. Um, I have an agent. <laughs> I got really lucky. She's the, she's the only agent I pitched um, back in 2012. Uh, and I've had her since then. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, she, she pitches out my books. I tell her not to tell me anything about it and I just sit down and stress over it. Um, it's fine. You know, I've never had a bad experience with that. It's just, like, I did have one editor tell me that she had my book and I did not like that <laughs> because it just made me anxious. <laughs> um, but otherwise it's, it's fine. I'm sure if I had to go and find a new agent, like, I really hope my agent never retires ever. Um, that would be a whole experience that I would, I would very much not enjoy. <laughs> And what now I know it, everybody, you know, that wouldn't be fun. Like, yeah. hey, I know we had brunch <laughs> the other day, but might you consider representing my books? <laughs> and so, you know, you kind of got your start in the publishing industry when you were working for Quirk Books. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. I was the uh, social media marketing manager. and I handled the website and I, I worked with authors on their social media presence and online presence. Um, I did marketing to book bloggers. I did a whole bunch of little things that all accumulated into one gigantic job. 
Um, it was fun. You know, they, they gave me the experience I needed to understand uh, how this business works, um, you know, heavily on the marketing and publicity side, uh, and then also through the business side because Quark is the kind of company where everybody knows everything that's going on, which is just which was just remarkable. Um, so yeah, they they really prepared me to, to sort of step into this kind of position. It was uh, it was a good experience. And you also teach composition in an MFA program and mentor students through Arcadia University. What's that like? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a mentor uh, at Arcadia's MFA program, and it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I read student manuscripts. Uh, I read their chapters and their short stories. I give them notes. Uh, I advise them on next steps to take uh, as they're trying to get published. Um, I help polish up their manuscripts. Uh, it's really fun because I, I, like, I like working with writers who are at, like, the start of their careers like that. It's just, like, such an exciting time. Uh, and it's also such a a scary time because there's lots of bad information out there. Um, mm-hmm. So I like being the person that, that sort of, I don't know, makes it less scary for them. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what are the benefits of obtaining an MFA in creative writing? Well, I think the benefits of the MFA are the fact that you get all this, this time set aside to work on your book, you know, like you're in college for the next, you know, two, three years. Uh, that is your job is to, to finish mm-hmm. a manuscript, finish a portfolio of short stories potentially, uh, and get it polished to the point where, you know, maybe come graduation, you're ready to pitch it out. Um, it also puts you in an environment where you are used to getting, uh, you know, very intense feedback. Um, you know, some writers have a hard time taking edits and taking critical notes uh, and MFA, you know, it, it gets you ready. <laughs> it gets you ready for the whole experience. Um, and there are also the connections that you're going to make. You know, an MFA program introduces you to lots of authors, uh, potentially brings you out to, to meet agents and editors. Um, I don't know. I think it, it, gets, you, it gets you ready in, in a way that's uh, sometimes a little harder to do uh, when you're on your own. So it's really sort of a submersive experience in creative writing. You're literally surrounded by authors and people that can help you edit, and you're getting feedback. Oh, yeah. So it's really yeah, sort of this, you know, yeah. Yeah, and like all your professors are, you know, they're published authors, you know, or they're, they're industry, you know, professionals. Like they, they know the deal. <laughs> and once you graduate, you also, I think you also have the opportunity to teach writing, then in return, it gives you a better sort of chance at being able to teach at a college and university level as well. Is that right? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, it's not like that's guaranteed right away, though. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can have your MFA or, you know, just your master's. I have my master's uh, and start applying to teach. But, you know, you're, you're more likely to get hired to, to teach someplace uh, when you actually have a published book, you know, out and about. Um, you know, adjuncting gigs, you know, that maybe uh, would be fine, but it's a little harder if you, if you don't have a, a book floating in the world. And do you feel like it really helps you, especially as an agent, to both teach and, and sort of see what's out there as well that's up and coming? Um, not really. Um, you know, I, I feel like I get that from, uh, you know, reading as much as I do. I read a lot of YA books, you know, every, every month. Um, it mostly helps me because, well, I don't know, I love teaching. It makes me really happy. Uh, and it also helps pay the bills a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, 
agenting is the sort of job that takes a little while to get uh, a little more established. Um, so it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good supplemental income that makes me very happy. <laughs> and in terms of you know agenting and you know typically what's sort of the commission base and and what is the purpose of having an agent? Because I feel like there's some people that think they can just skip over having an agent and go directly to the publisher. So what <laughs> what are the benefits of having an agent and why you should have one? Yeah, I mean, there are some publishers that take books, you know, that are unagented, you know, like you could pitch Entangled or Skyhorse. Um, Quirk uh, also takes unagented manuscripts, but those, those lists get pretty small pretty fast. Um, you know, the reason you sign with an agent is to be able to pitch your book to the bigger publishers, uh, to get into those bigger editor hands, those bigger houses. Um, an agent also doesn't just do that and the relationship is over. You know, we negotiate your contracts. We make sure you're getting uh, as much money as you possibly can. We make sure you're keeping as many rights as you possibly can. You know, we want to sell your book into foreign markets, so we try to hold on to those. We uh, keep an eye on things like audiobook production. We potentially keep those rights to sell your audiobook rights. Um, we pitch you to film and TV agents. We try to find co-agents to do that work with uh, to maybe get you options. Um, we say we keep an eye on the publisher to make sure they're actually doing their job. Uh, and we get to play bad cop fairly often, you know, so if the publisher isn't quite doing what they're supposed to, uh, instead of you, the author, you know, making things a little complicated with your publisher, uh, the agent steps in and is like, hey, you know, you need to fix this without making things uncomfortable between you and your editor, you and your publicist, because um, you want those people on your team. Um, make the agent the bad uh, cop in the situation. That makes it, uh, makes it a little easier, and they sort of expect that uh, from us. Um, so, yeah, your agent is sort of your, I don't know, your agent's your biggest fan that, that goes to bat for you um, across all these different little complicated things. When you have a client and they've got a book coming forward, you've everything's secure and going great. Do you recommend that your clients hire an outside publicist to sort of give the push to get their book in as many places as possible, seen interviews and that kind of thing? Or do you typically recommend they just stick with the publicist that comes with their publisher? I tend to lean towards staying with the publisher, um, mostly because like, an outside publicist can be so expensive. You can end up spending your entire book advance uh, on yeah. that. Um, you know, like if your book sold for, you know, like a modest you know, $10,000 advance or something, that's it. That's all going to go to that freelance publicist for like three months of work. And then there's no guarantee that freelance publicist is going to do anything more than your normal publicist does. Um, so I would just be careful. You know, if you do want a freelance publicist really bad, uh, you know, check in with your author friends, uh, see what they've done for them. Um, yeah, because the last thing you want to do is spend all that money and then they just do what your publisher's publicist would have done, you know? Well, exactly. And I think there for a while there was a little bit of a push, like you have to hire an outside publicist. But if your advance is only $10,000 and all that money's gone, there and like you said, there's really no guarantee that they can, you know, make sure that your book becomes this big bestseller. And so there you are out that money. Yeah, that's, ugh, that's a lot of money. Now, I know it's sort of different depending on the book, but I think, 
in general, a lot of people don't realize that authors don't tend to make these massive six-figure book deals that, you know, they, they do happen, but they can be rare. Mm-hmm. What is sort of typically expected for a first book that comes out that an author can kind of expect in terms of an advance? Oh, that's really hard, you know. Um, I don't know if I really have an answer for that one because um, mm-hmm. it varies so greatly. Um, yeah, no, I really have an answer for that one. I'm sorry, but it's usually just, <laughs> it's usually okay. not, it's usually not quit your job money. I could say that much. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think that's the misperception, right? Because a lot of people have asked like, when can I quit my day job? And I think, oh, yeah. you know, for a lot of us, some of us are juggling two and three jobs, but we just love yeah, to yeah. write. So <laughs> I, like dri- I like driving my wife up the wall and we like go for walks around the neighborhood and I'll like point at a house and I'm like, yeah, babe, next book that I write that I'll buy this house, you know, and like we, we both know that's not going to happen, but it is, it is a nice daydream to have. <laughs> it is fun. It's fun. You have several really wonderful books um, by clients coming out this year. Samira Ahmed's second novel, Interment, and Bazi Ikpi's uh, anthology, I'm Telling You the Truth, but I'm Lying, to name a couple. Those are the two that I'm really looking forward to, but I'd love to hear about what other books you have forthcoming from your clients. Yeah, yeah. I have this book called uh, The 15 Wonders of Daniel Green by a woman named Erica Boyce that's coming out. And her book's an interesting story because this is one of the rare agent does something they're not supposed to do things where uh, I read her book in a day and instead of sending her an email to like schedule a call, I just called her on the phone um, and surprised her and said I wanted to work on her book. Uh, so I gave her I gave her a heart attack. That was fun. Um, yeah, so that book comes out in April. It is about a... Uh, a man who travels the country making crop circles for a living as part of a secret society uh, of these circle makers. Um, and basically they, they travel to farms that are starting to go under. Uh, they make a crop circle for the farm. It attracts publicity and tends to restore life to these small towns. Um, oh and this guy sort of decides, you know what, this is my last crop circle. And as he's making it, he falls for the farmer's daughter. Uh, he gets really involved in this family's uh, sort of, drama and saga and kind of discovers that he wants a simple life. Uh, it's like a really beautiful uh, sort of quirky and unusual book uh, with this secret society of crop circle makers uh, at its heart. Um, and that comes out in uh, April. Um, let's see. And then I have a, a novel called keep this to yourself coming out in May by a guy named Tom Ryan. He's this, uh, very acclaimed YA author from Canada, and we are moving to break him out here in the U.S. Uh, this year. Uh, it's a novel about a small town that gets hit with a serial killer uh, and a teen boy who loses his best friend uh, to this monster. Uh, a year later, uh, he's uncovering a time capsule uh, and discovers a clue from his friend inside this time capsule as to oh, who the wow. killer might have been. And as he's investigating uh, what might have happened he's also wrestling with the fact that he was also in love with this boy the entire time. Uh, so it's this really complicated novel that's a thriller and also a very like emotional contemporary story of uh, love and loss. And it, uh, it just got a star review from, uh, from Kirkus. I'm very proud of it. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah. exciting. I love that. I'm definitely going to check them out because I'm just, I always love to see what agents are, 
have coming up and I like to Mm -hmm. reorder the books just to support the author's work and to be able to read them and review them. And I think that's a really important thing. Oh, you're so welcome. And uh, I'll definitely make sure we put it um, in the show notes so that people will be able to order each one of these books because they all sound really great. And I love a good read. (laughs) Yay. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. If you could go back in time and give your early writer self advice from the writer and the agent that you are today, what would that advice be? Oh, man, just to take your time. You know, um, there is no, like, time limit on when you can write your book. You know, like, I remember when I was in college, I was like, all right, I'm 21. I'm angsty. I'm going to (laughs) write my debut book by the time I'm 25. I'm going to buy that house at 26. They had all these, like ridiculous deadlines <laughs> in my head um and like my first book didn't come out until I was like 30 um and like I remember just being like so mad in like my late 20s like trying to write and trying to write and pitching and nothing happening um and it was also silly because there's no there is no deadline unless you make one for yourself uh and that's just that's just a waste of time um so take your time you know it'll happen when it happens um you know, you don't have to be one of these young 20-something debut authors. You can be, you know, a mid-30s <laughs> debut author or, you know, <laughs> 50s debut author. You know, my my professor in grad school, Robin Black, who's probably had the most impact on my career uh, as a writer, um, her debut novel didn't come out until, I think, in her, her late 40s, early 50s. Um, and it was beautiful and amazing and just perfect book. Uh, it's called Life Drawing. Um, and, like, you know, there was, there was no deadline. You know, there was, there was no, there, she, didn't, she didn't have to rush to get it out. She took her time, and, you know, it resulted in a gorgeous book that sold into many languages and <laughs> did very well. <laughs> I really like that because I think I remember being, you know, in my 20s and thinking how old it would be. You know, I was reading a book, and the author had published it when she was 38. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, I don't want to wait that long. And I'm 39. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm 39 now. And I'm like, it's not that old. (laughs) And I think it gets better over time. Your writing gets better as you get older. And you have the opportunity to edit and, and learn from critique groups and mentors. So, I think that's great advice to just take your time and, and not feel like you have to rush and be this big success in your early twenties. I think that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. No need, no need to put that on yourself. Is there anything that you're currently reading and absolutely loving that you want to give a shout out to? Oh man. Uh, Well, I just finished um, Jeff Zentner's latest book. Um, Oh shoot. It's a, Delilah and Rainey's, yeah, Delilah and Rainey's Midnight, Midnight Matinee. Um, it's very hard to say. Um, and it's <laughs> a really surprisingly funny book from him. Like, he writes really, I mean, like, soul-crushing YA novels. And his, his newest book is about these two teen girls that run, like, a low-budget cable access, uh, like, B-horror movie show where they play these movies <laughs> and they have friends in costumes uh, and it's sort of like a big part of their life, but they also have these really complicated, uh, you know, problems at home uh, and trying, trying to figure out how their friendship is going to survive all this stuff. And it's just definitely one of the best, like, YA friendship books I've read in a really long time. 
with this just like wonderfully quirky premise at the heart of it, you know, this teen girls running a B movie horror show on local cable access. Um, really charming, really funny. Uh, and it comes out in a couple of weeks, I think. Awesome. So you mentioned being closed to queries right now, but you'll be opening them up, I think in April, right? No, in Was March, March 1st. March. I'll be open okay. again. And so there's this really great website that I always love to give a shout out to called manuscriptwishlist.com. And uh, Jessica uh, Sinsheimer started it. And so all the agents are listed there and they're separated by genre and they tell you exactly what they want. So for you coming back to opening up queries, what are you most looking for coming up? That yeah, love yeah, I really want to find... Yeah, I really want to find more genre blending literary fiction like that, like that crop circle novel I mentioned, or that mm-hmm. that time travel book I brought up, Mike Chen's here now and then. Um, I love like literary novels that blend in a little bit of genre, you know, a little bit of magic, a little bit of sci-fi, something speculative. Um, Station Eleven is probably my favorite novel of all time, and that's kind of the perfect book in terms of what I want to try to find. Um, so adult books along those lines. Uh, I'm looking for YA across everything, um, especially from uh, marginalized voices. Um, I really want to find some more nonfiction this year. Uh, I love working on cookbooks. I've worked on a few. Uh, I love working on memoir from, I hate to use the word, but from platformed authors. So if you're writing essays and getting essays published and stuff, please pitch me uh, your memoir. I would happily look at that. Um, And then more pop culture history books. I love... Uh, like really accessible, fun uh, nonfiction history books that talk about something that uh, might be forgotten or hasn't really been dug into. Um, I had this book come out uh, at the end of last year called 8-Bit Apocalypse, which is about the history of the game Missile Command. Um, Not a lot of people know that the creator of the game kind of went mad as a result of making the game because he was trying to protest nuclear war and he became obsessed with it. Uh, So the book is all about this man's spiral um while the game took off and like influenced like all the video games um and it's really fascinating and i love Brooklyn oh, that's Hotel, so cool. untold stories yeah yeah it's really great it's uh it's getting a it's coming into coming out in paperback um september i think and uh yeah i like remarkable books like that well, thank you so much for being here today and being willing to share all this inside info with our listeners oh, i'm really grateful yeah. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking. Eric Smith can be found online at www.ericsmithrocks.com. Check out his manuscript wish list on www.mswl.com. Join us next week when we speak with Nicole Chung, author of All You Can Ever Know, Hand to Heart, Pen to Paper, Write On. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.